He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin, today joined by somebody who is uh, undertaking one of the coolest projects I have seen in quite some time. Um, he has been on the show before. He is now, I think, officially friend of the podcast, mm. Lee Ellis. Uh, I'm really excited uh, that, that you get that moniker now. <laughs> so congratulations. A, okay, so it's a two-show um, minimum to get your friendship. Is that is that what it is, Anthony? You know, it's, it's, it's a really low bar. I'm, <laughs> I was an only child for a really long time, and right. uh, I just take on friends as often, as quickly as I can. Well, I'm glad to be included in that group now. <laughs> How are you doing? How's it going? Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, uh, can't remember when we did last speak, but uh, probably about a year or so ago. So uh, quite a bit mm -hmm. has changed, but uh, overall, you know, things are good, and uh, you know, yeah, life uh, continues. Well, the thing that has changed here, and the reason that that we're chatting today is, you have undertaken this uh, project: twenty games in twenty cities and twenty countries. Um, you're going, you're traveling the world, playing pickup, um, and some of the reasoning behind it and some of the experiences from it are all very fascinating. I read uh, Ben Golliver's piece on this in, in the Washington Post, also very good. I'll plug that in the article when I write about this as well. Um, but yeah, I just, it's it's so fascinating. And, and I'm just kind of curious, like, in in doing this, I want to start on the lighter side of this, um, and and in doing this... I've tried to explain pickup basketball to my wife before, and mm. um, it's always this funny thing where, okay, so you walk onto a court and you've never spoken to, I don't know, maybe half of the people that you're playing with, maybe more of the people that you're playing with. In your case, people are speaking completely different languages, people are playing, you know, coming from completely different cultural backgrounds. Um, and, and yet there's like this language of basketball, like th th there's the jazz. I, I like to con compare basketball to jazz and like in your experiences here, um, like just, just speaking the language of basketball and being able to pick up and, and play pickup with these, with people from all over the globe, has that, has that changed kind of your outlook on, on humanity? I feel like it's the kind of thing that could. Maybe hasn't changed it, but it certainly is the one of the biggest reasons why I feel I can take on this challenge. Because prior to uh, making it officially my job, although it's uh, without an income for right now, hopefully that will change at some point <laughs> in the future. But I've travelled quite a lot. I mean, travelling's been a passion of mine since I was a kid. I was fortunate to grow uh, grow up in a family where my parents liked to travel a lot, and so as mm -hmm. I became an adult, I took on that challenge and and lived overseas myself and travelled a lot. And so now, when I travel with my family. 
if ever I see a basketball court, and this is not just since I've become a, a father and a husband, that I, I used to do that all the time anyway. If I saw a basketball court, I'd just sort of turn up and, you know, you make the little gesture there to the person there if you don't speak the same language and they usually throw you the ball, you start shooting away. And sometimes mm-hmm. that turns into one-on-one. Sometimes, depending on how many people there, it turns into a little game. And and that's the thing is that you don't have to verbalise the language. You, you know, yeah. we as humans can, you know, understand uh, what someone really wants through body language and sign language and things like that. And so that to me is how basketball builds those bridges and, and, and it breaks down any barriers. Because if you step on the court and you make the motion, hey, I want to shoot, no one's going to be like, oh, what the hell does this guy want? And it's like they pass <laughs> right. you the ball and you start shooting and, and you have fun. And that to me is what is um, the, the the great thing about traveling is is communication doesn't have to be verbalized. You know, it's it's about having fun and, and and playing a game that we all understand. Now, the rules may vary slightly from country to country and city to city, but overall, you score a mm-hmm. basket and, you know, you know what you know what happens from there. You're usually playing a 10 or 15 or 5 or whatever it is, uh, and you have a great game. And you very quickly go from strangers to teammates. You know, in just recently yeah. in Belgrade, I was in uh, in Belgrade there, and I turned up to a court there at Calamecton Park, this incredible court in the Belgrade Fortress there, and I was actually only shooting some B-roll stuff for the game the following day. But while I was there, there was these three guys shooting down the other end. They were playing a bit of, you know, I guess sort of American one-on-one there, that you know, sort of one-on-one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And they sort of saw me, and they like, you know, quite quickly, they sort of pointed at me, I pointed at them. We had a little exchange and it was like two seconds later, we we're playing two on two. Perfect. And they, it turns out these guys were Russian. Uh, one of them spoke, you know, reasonable English, but the other two guys didn't really speak a word of English. They spoke a little bit of Serbian. And then very quickly, uh, me and the guy, you, you know, you start, you, you run a little screen, he drops the ball off, you lay it up, you start playing. All of a sudden, you guys are as if you've been teammates and friends for it's a the long time. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then you become friends as well, because like if you win and, and, and it's never about winning or losing, I mean, the winning is always more fun than losing, but it's more about how quickly you can establish some sort of chemistry with somebody and just have fun, you know, mm-hmm. because when you think about it as a kid, you learn to play before you can talk or walk. And how do you play? Well, you sort of just, you know, there's a toy there and then the other kid crawls over and you start playing and, and whatever. And so that communication starts very much, the first sort of human interaction really um, is is non-verbalized. And so that really just extends for me on the basketball court. I turn up, you know, make eye contact. I'm out there shooting. I'm having fun and, and, and we play. And so, you know, from other experiences I've had going back to last year and prior to that, I would play like I played in Berlin in Germany on a, on a Sunday afternoon. I just had lunch. I was with the family. I wasn't ready for basketball, but these guys were playing the same thing. There was three guys playing. And so I sort of like, you know, just moseyed on over to the court there. And the next thing I know, we're playing uh, two on two. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, it's, again, it's not like I'm out there pretending I'm Steph Curry or anyone like that, lighting up these other guys and trying to show off my basketball skills. But I put those clips up on, on Instagram and I got a really, really good response. And so mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that's funny because again, it's not it's not the highlights. It's something that people are connecting with there. And so I did that again this year. I was traveling and I was in Barcelona and I put up some highlights. And the amount of uh, messages I received on Instagram from people all over the world saying, "Man, if you're in my city, come out and play. Yeah, uh, I'll organize a game. I'll organize a run." And and I was just like, I was sort of saying to my wife, like, "This is pretty amazing." Like. People are just saying, hey, come and play. It's not, again, it's not like, oh, man, I could beat you. You know, you're, you're no yeah. good or anything like that. It's like, hey, you travel, 
I like to play basketball. If you come to my city, I'll organize a run for you. So that's kind of where the idea came from and, and where it's taken me. And now, as I say, I just got back from my first uh, first trip, which turned into five cities in five different mm-hmm. countries because I had a flight delay. I missed the flight from, uh, I was supposed to go from Atlanta to Ljubljana in Slovenia, but we missed the connection in Frankfurt. Turned mm-hmm. out unreal. Had 12 hours in Frankfurt, went to a really good court there, played pickup with some guys. This girl, <laughs> Maria, she just turned up and she started talking trash. She started making these crazy shots. <laughs> The best, the best uh, layover I've ever had. A uh, best uh, un- unplanned layover. So, you know, basketball is one of those sports. Like it's so, there's very much a, an artistic creativity to it. People love to show you their tricks and their and and things they can do. And uh, when you get your camera out, yeah, people start going, okay, well, this might be up on uh, social <laughs> right. media somewhere. So they start uh, showing you all their tricks. And honestly, it's 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 been a, a fantastic experience so far. And and now that I've done the first leg, I'm, I'm really hoping to, uh, you know, turn this into, you know, the next trip and the next destinations. So I want to talk about the basketball itself. Is there any set of rules elsewhere in the world that need to be brought over to American pickup? Well, maybe not a rule so much, but in the Balkans, five on five full court almost doesn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. When the very first game I organized was in Ljubljana in Slovenia, and we probably had 15 guys turn up. And so I just sort of assumed, okay, five on five full court, once one team on the bench and, you know, played a whatever number, seven, 10, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I said five on five full court, everyone's like, what? <laughs> we, we play three on three. We can have two, uh-huh. two different games going here at once. Mm-hmm. Um, of three on three. And I was kind of like, oh, well, sure. I sort of was more just trying to include everybody. I mean, to show my appreciation and thanks to everybody, I really wanted to make everybody play as much as they could. But we ended up playing five on five. But but I was definitely the weirdo tourist who uh, who only plays that that sort of style. <laughs> but the good thing is, because the, the truth is, though, with, with street basketball, when you have five on five, most often, certainly here in the United States, the ball doesn't move around all that much. A couple of guys no. get a shot and and that's it. When you play three on three, you're involved in almost every possession one way or the other. And that to me is what really gets the game moving because that ball just does not stop moving. People are cutting, mm-hmm. moving, passing, um, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so you're always involved. So I have to say that three on three is very, very enjoyable to play. And, and, and you sort of go, okay, yeah, this probably is a better way so that, yeah, then there aren't those guys who feel like, man, I don't like playing with this guy because he never passes and this guy just shoots all the time. Uh, instead, you're out there, you're involved all the time. So I would say that's the biggest thing. And and three on three, as I say, now, I, I did play five on five in in, uh, in Slovenia and I also did play it there in Belgrade. But again, that was more like people almost saying, well, this is how he wants to play it, so we'll play it his way. But yeah. uh, no one really does that traditionally. So... I think that's something that would certainly um, – I think it would improve the experience for a lot of people of uh, street basketball uh, here in the United States. I think I think it's just more one-on-one sort of stuff here. You know, it's a little bit yeah. more like guys like to sort of go out there and, and get into a little battle with another guy and try to cook each other, whereas uh, out there it's it's more, more emphasis on the team play, which, I mean, when you think of European stars, you know, like mm-hmm. Jokic and Doncic, I mean, they're known for their great passing. So I think there's something sort of, you know, when you the way you're brought up playing that that does filter through to uh, the professional ranks as well. Yeah, the the 
the three on three approach, I know when I was growing up, my dad almost primarily when we would walk into a gym, if, if five on five was happening or whatever, you know, he'd say, go ahead to your thing, but he wouldn't really participate unless it was half court three on three, mostly right. because yeah, like there's, there's a lot more focus on, on the team approach and, and, and more of that nonverbal communication that we kind of started the show with, right. Was, yeah. Is, is yeah. All right. Usually you pass the ball off to one side, you go off and you set a screen for the other side over there, or you pass the ball off to the one side and you go set the screen on the ball. The other guy, the other person, you know, floats down to the corner and you kind of, and it's so, it's so funny because the fundamentals of team basketball just kind of, they just kind of click, especially with the right, with the right combination of players. It just kind of happens. And, and it's not the kind of thing where it's like, before you started playing, you went over to the sideline. You were like, "Okay, so when I pass over here, you got to go over here." <laughs> People just kind of get it. It's yeah. And and again, it's it's. I've tried to explain. You know, Jen grew up playing soccer, and um, there's some of that. You know, I think there's a lot of similarities between soccer and and basketball, but the pickup culture isn't as as prevalent. It's more club based. It's more you get you you get everything organized. You show up with your club and you go out and you play. And so when I tell her, yeah, we would just go out and we would play basketball. I'm just going to go to the gym and I would be there for hours early on in our relationship. She wishes I would do that more now. But, but like <laughs> when, when, when I would say yeah, I'm going to the gym and it'd be like four hours later and she'd be like, what were you doing that whole time? And yeah. some of it is playing. Some of it is just like the interactions that you have, Social, by way of yeah. the friendships that you that you built in, in playing it. And yeah, I'm kind of curious about that second part of this. And, and after you play and there is still that language barrier, did you find ways to me, to communicate beyond the sport while you were there as part of the experience? Well, there's two languages everybody speaks. One is sport and the other is beer. And that was basically what happened <laughs> afterwards. We would... Uh, Lee, we I'm would... coming on your next trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, th- but this is this is the thing is, is you know, you, you would play the game and uh, and then not not every time it didn't happen, but um, in, in the sense that most of the times it was like, all right, here's the game and then let's go and have a beer and, and have some mm-hmm. fun and, and just talk and get to know each other. And, you know, being the, the one who, the one person who only speaks one language as far as English goes, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much every Everywhere I went, most guys spoke, had a fairly good grasp of English. So they would have to, you know, dumb it down to my level to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. But the same sort of thing, you know, once you have a beer and you start telling a few stories and then, you you know, you realize you got more in common with people than you don't have um, simply because, you know, for for the most part, lives are the same. You know, most people just want to have good friends, have a job, you know, maybe they're married, have kids, things like that. And so you you can empathize and relate to people on that level, you know? And um, so that, that, that was the great thing is like, I got some really good uh, footage of that as well of like, okay, here's us playing basketball. You miss a shot, who cares? But then there was like 10, 15 people having a beer in the pub afterwards. And, and that to me uh, is just the social aspect of it as well that really comes shining through that, um, you know, we, we're all just sort of learning from each other, having fun. Basketball brings us together, but uh, we've got more as more in common as well than that, just that. So, you know, and then especially this is where the traveling aspect comes in. When, you, when you're trying different foods and you, when, you, when you're sort of just seeing how people um, do things differently in their cities and countries, that to me is also what's so awesome. It's like, here, try yeah. this. Like in Croatia, I went to uh, Damien Rudej's house, you know, where mm-hmm. he was, where he grew up. Now he's 6'10" former NBA played, played three years in the league there. And he's walking us through his house. Going, this is my bedroom when I was a kid. His mum's making tea, the tea leaves that grew on their family farm. I mean, mm. 
sorts of experiences that I didn't plan that. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know it was going to happen. So I didn't really get too much footage of it. But you just come away with it going like, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm traveling to have these experiences, meet these people, meet have these opportunities um, and and learn, you know. So it's it's been such a, a rewarding experience and so exhilarating as well because you come away from it going like, that was just awesome. That was so cool, that experience I had. Even if, again, it's, you, you, like, it's not like uh, Damien Rudish house where you go into some gigantic mansion in Malibu that's got 15 bedrooms and nine toilets. It's mm-hmm. just a humble family home in the city of Zagreb overlooking the court he used to play on as a kid you know so uh you know those sorts of things um really make it uh such a valuable experience and 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 why i'm motivated and encouraged to just keep on going because i know there's a million of those experiences and opportunities out there how much pressure did you put on yourself for the actual basketball and i I know that you know you've you've grown up obviously you've played a ton of basketball in your life and stuff but when the cameras were rolling and, and, and this is going to be a documentary, like, did you feel any extra pressure? Like, all right, I can't have a bad shooting day here yeah. or anything like that. Well, when I'm editing my own clips, no, I don't really feel that pressure <laughs> because you, uh, I have the, I have the ability to, uh, you know, to, nah, look, I mean, that's the thing is, um, you know, we, we, so we often played for, uh, for probably two hours. So, you know, there's enough footage in there of me hitting enough shots that I can yeah. make it. Uh, I can make it look like I'm not. A I'm going to watch it. And it's going to be the same clip like they used <laughs> exactly, to do, and all like yeah. it's the same. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the ball keeps going through yeah. at the same angle over and over and over. That's again. right. Yeah, you see the release, <laughs> and then you just yeah. see the close up of the I hoop. And it just he shot it from the, the other switch. side yeah. of the court. Um, he definitely called bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and then the, and then the cloud in the background is completely different from the from the release point and things like that. No, I mean that 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 sort of stuff again to me. I just think. Again, I, I'm not trying to, you know, trick anybody into thinking like that I'm, I'm, you know, better than I am. I enjoy it. I shoot. I can make some shots. But, you know, I've got a few clunkers out there. I mean, I, I am built. Mm-hmm. I can let you into a little secret. I am building a blooper reel of just some of the brick shots and bad turnovers <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. I'm just not sure I've got the... Uh, I'm not sure I've got the courage yet to upload that one. I might have to put up a few more uh, videos, a bit more flattering first. But um, yeah, I thought but, for but, a second there you were going to be like, I haven't bricked enough shots. And I was going to be like, that is yeah. a hell of a flex. Yeah. That no, is- no, no, no. And, and there was one time where a guy hit a shot in my face and I came mm-hmm. down thinking, all right, well, I've got to get one back in his. And I did a little, you know, between the legs dribble, step back and oh, just airballed it so badly. <laughs> uh, but it did make it, 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 you know, I've got a video of it. So it will be up at some point, but yeah. I might. I might have to release that on on the day there's a huge trade in the NBA or something like that, and you know Friday, <laughs> Friday night at you know ten o'clock local time or something when uh, maybe the audience isn't as big as uh, as normal. But you know that's the thing about basketball. Like I just I, th- there's never any um, you know I never be like oh man I've got to why did I why did I say I'm playing these games? I'm, I, once I get a ball and I'm out on the court, I'll just keep on shooting until either it starts raining or everyone else is is tired and. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's something that I that I, I, I love that I – as long as my body allows me to keep shooting and playing, I'm just going to keep on doing it. Did, did you get many experiences playing indoors or is it just all outdoor courts? Because that's – yeah, no, shooting on outdoor courts is, is yeah. a different animal. Yeah, absolutely. But shooting on indoor courts to me um, takes away a little bit of the intrigue because uh, there are beautiful gyms all over the world. And, and mm-hmm. some of them do have their own, you know um, – their own marks and things like that there where you know okay maybe you're playing in this one but there's an appeal and an attraction for playing outdoor basketball for me because i love the elements i love playing outside Mm -hmm. 
you know, knowing that maybe it's going to rain here, maybe it's a bit windy, so it affects the jump shooters. But there's something, and, and especially a couple of the courts I played on in uh, in Dubrovnik in Croatia, overlooking the Adriatic Sea there, and then in Belgrade at this uh, inside this fortress. I mean, that to me makes it, it just sort of brings a new element where it's like, oh, that is the court I want to play on. I don't want to be someone to say, hey, listen, we've got this beautiful gym that's just been made. It's got all this fancy equipment and it's super sophisticated. I'd rather play on the court that has the ambience of like, you can only play on that court in that spot, you know, where it's yeah. like, you know, you're, you're there. I so mean, it I makes Rucker Rucker, you know? Like oh, you, exactly. Yeah. You know exactly where you are. You know exactly where people are playing. If you see the yeah. background there of Rucker. That's right. And, and I think, um, you know, I think that that's that's what I'm trying to showcase as well. The traveling side of it, it's like this is not just about playing basketball. You know, where again I can play here in Atlanta, or I can play in New York, LA, Chicago, and great places. Uh, and I'm, I mean, look, I hope to play in those places as well at some point. But it's more about like, well, I want to go where you know I don't know anybody, I don't know mm -hmm. the language, you know. But let's just see how how it all comes together. And and uh, you know, it's been it's been awesome, and, and especially the weather the the challenge of the weather <laughs> adds another element to it because it, the funny thing was in slovenia in ljubljana i had the game scheduled for a friday afternoon and i'd, I'd spoken to a couple of guys there and they said yeah we're coming it's a friday we're going to you know finish work early but we'll come out there and when i arrived on the uh on the wednesday it was well the forecast for friday was 100 percent chance of rain like all day and and the weather app was just unforgiving you know sometimes it moves a couple yeah. of you know a couple of days out or whatever yeah it, it just got more and more confirmed it's gonna rain on friday so i'm like oh my god i can't you know i can't play if it's pouring and rain we just can't you know so i, I got there and i said I, I put a video out on uh on instagram and you on uh, twitter and i just said listen i said uh friday but Look, it's going to rain. So if you can come out Thursday, come out Thursday. And and I spoke to one of my contacts there, and he's like, "Oh man, I, I've told everyone Friday they've moved things around, they've taken days off work or or, or organised to finish early. I don't know if they'll be able to do it on such short notice." And I'm like, "Yeah, fair enough, but I I, I also can't really go ahead with Friday because it's just not going to work." Anyway, mm -hmm. it turned out, like I say, it was probably 15 people turned up, and I was like, "This is unbelievable." So, um, and it did start. It did actually start raining a little bit towards the end, but we got about an hour or so running. So at that point, and the pub was literally like 10 feet away as well so i think <laughs> so people the whole like, time oh. like you know yeah, exactly yeah exactly <laughs> the, fir the first the first driplet of water out let's go oh let's go straight to oh, the yeah, loser, you know yeah so uh uh but no one was no one was really protesting anyway yeah um so if you guys have been listening to this you recognize lee's voice he was on uh no dunk sink and 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 as part of this you stopped you you stepped down you um, and you focused fully on this project. And in the article that uh, Ben wrote for uh, WAPO, he, uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned some of what went into that, right? Where uh, the league wasn't the same league. And, and I think part of it too was, I think it had, you had recorded some 2,500 episodes in the years prior um, doing a daily show with, with the guys as you did. But um, a, a, a part of it was a uh, disaffection with what the league has kind of become and what covering the league has kind of become. And I'm kind of curious, like, obvious, something like that, a, a decision of that magnitude takes place over a few weeks, maybe months. And was there a time that you started to notice that the league was going in a direction where you're like, uh, this is just... 
this is just not fun anymore. This isn't the league that I loved anymore. What what about it? What went into that that would have that would get you? I think the the the, the magnitude of this project is cool enough in in its own. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that it's really easy to to commit yourself fully to. But leaving a dream gig like that to do this would also involve something on the content side. And, and I'm just kind of curious what, what, what happened there? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing was like this idea was, was really forcing itself on me. And so initially I'm like, how can I, how can I sort of balance both? You know, how mm -hmm. can I continue doing the podcast and continue then to try to pursue this? But then you realize like you can't really have one foot in and one foot out. For, certainly for a podcast, you've got to commit 100%. Especially for daily. This project, Exactly. Yeah. You've got to be following the league every day. And then, and then to do this project, I was like, I'm going to be away for weeks at a time. And, you know, a lot, you know, you can't sort of just sort of hedge. You, you basically have to make that decision. And once I realized that I think having followed the league for over 30 years, ever since I was a kid and covering it for the last 11 years in the TV and podcast format and doing two and a half thousand shows, the pull just wasn't quite there anymore. It, it was like, it, it was mm -hmm. like, you got to, it's, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to try something yeah. different. We uh, and yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think with the, with the NBA right now, the, the biggest challenge for, for Adam Silver in the league is to try to make games meaningful again. And, and I think there's mm -hmm. far too many regular season games that, that just don't have an enough draw. Um, and I think, you know, coronavirus and, and the COVID impact on, on the league, I think affected, you know, everybody in a lot of ways. And, and I thought that was a great chance for the league to maybe think, okay, instead of playing 82 games a season, when a lot of players are sort of taking time off and taking games off for load management, I understand the reasons behind that, but I think that there is a chance or there was a chance to maybe address the just amount of games and, and, they didn't seem to do that. Instead, it was like, no, we, we've missed out on some They're adding games. <laughs> exactly. They're adding more and more games. And look, the play-in tournament, I think, is a great idea. And we've had some good games. We've also had a couple of stinkers there uh, as well. But the problem is then, if you play 82 games, but then the only ones that people are really sort of focusing in on are the ones after that, then you sort of have to wonder why the, you play so many of them. I mean, the NFL... Um, and and not that again the the NBA is not going to go to a you know schedule of sixteen or twenty five games or anything like that. Mm. But the NFL and and I, I'm not a, I don't follow football, but I know people who do. They hang on almost every possession sometimes uh, yeah. fans of football. Whereas in the NBA, I feel teams can lose ten games in a row, and it just it sort of doesn't really matter. You know, people are like well, when once we get our guys back, we'll be fine. And so many teams make the playoffs anyway that you know you, you're sort of hanging around playoff contention for most of the season if you're not even really a legit contender and so i just i just didn't find that the pull of the nba was enough to sort of stop me from trying this new idea um mm -hmm. and you know so so that's sort of where the decision ultimately once i once i decided i wanted to do this and i was prepared to you know sort of walk away from the, the daily podcast then the decision wasn't that difficult to make because i was like well i'm, I'm excited and motivated to try this on um, and I wasn't as excited and motivated to sort of go through another season where I'm like, I'm not sure, you know, again, like there's so many regular season games. You're like, you're sort of talking about one side, but it doesn't, this one doesn't really matter because, you know, the, maybe your team's rested half their players, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's a second. There was almost, there's almost like a, um, 
a qualifier for so many games. And so it becomes harder to analyze when you're like, well, I don't really know why we're analyzing this game if if half the team wasn't playing. That They may as well have not played that game. So, yeah. you know, that that's the real challenge I think the league faces right now is to make games feel meaningful. Um, and, and I think even, you, you know, you might say a Lakers-Warriors game on a Saturday night, let's just say hypothetically, and it's like, well... Even still, it's like we we almost go, well, it doesn't matter unless the playoffs. I mean, you know, until these guys are healthy and there's something on the yeah. line, they're not really sort of competing as hard as you might might want them to be. Maybe maybe this is just a sign of the times as well. You know, maybe it's just because in the old days, you know, here I am going old man yells at cloud. But because, <laughs> because it's so easy to access games, you can watch any game anytime you want, uh, maybe that access is has made it, a little diluted in terms of like you don't sort of build up to games as much anymore. So, you know, you know, there, there was a combination of factors, um, but the the biggest one and, and the main reason I'm doing this is because I simply felt motivation uh, and, and and excitement to try something different, and that meant it was like, well, you either do this or you cover the league. And I was like, well, you know, I've been covering the league for a long time, you know, I've been a fan of it since I was a kid, covering it professionally for over a decade. It's okay to decide it's time to do something different. Yeah. I think, I think for me, what really resonated, you know, I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think if you look at like the ESPN, if you look on the right ticker, right, where it says the, the, the top stories in the league. And for a while there, it was just like Kyrie says anti-Semitic right. thing. And then Kyrie says he didn't say the anti and it's just like, yeah. you look at the, the stories on the side there and it was like, Kevin Durant wants Steve Nash fired. Kevin Durant gets Steve Nash fired. And it just felt like we've we've just kind of steadily moved further and further and further away from the basketball. And like I think the heart of this project that you're on right now is your passion for basketball. So it was it was it was almost a a natural evolution here of well, I'm not getting it over there. Right. And I can have hands on the game here. Let's try this out. But I think I think the other part of it too, and and to your point as far as the league as it exists now, the 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 notion of guys being healthy and not playing and choosing not to play, or organizations choosing not to play their guys, I think that is a legitimate problem that the NBA is facing, and I don't know, I I don't I don't think the league can force guys to play. I don't think that I, I think that cat's out of the bag. But I do think it is impossible to make, you know, even even like after, you know, on Christmas or after Christmas, they start doing their their uh, Sunday showcases on on ABC. And those games used to be appointment viewing every single weekend was a great matchup. And there's enough talent to make that happen still. For sure. But if if the talent isn't playing or if the organization doesn't care about the entertainment value of those showcase games, then what are we doing here? <laughs> well, and, and and I think, again, that ultimately comes back to me, to the draft. And for so long, the draft has been, you know, they've, they've, they've tried to reduce the incentive of tanking. But until they eliminate that incentive, uh, you're going to have teams, as we've seen in the past, you know, send home their veterans or send, or let, you know, rest their guys toward the end of the season. I think, Adam Silver, we know, is is very big on following the sort of soccer models of Europe, and mm-hmm. you know promotion relegation is not going to work. Oh. There's just not the, there's not the Man. there's not a there's not a league. 
yeah, we can dream, but but I think what what he what I what I would recommend if I was the league is when you get relegated from from the Premier League or any any soccer league, there is a huge financial uh, cost mm-hmm. to that because you're no longer getting the big TV appointment dates and you're going down a division, and so you know you lose money and you lose incentives. I think that what the league should consider with the draft is if you finish last and second last in the league, as far as wins and losses, you don't get a draft pick or you get to pick 29th and 30th. And then you you don't get your share of like luxury taxes, something, something (laughs) to make it so that, that if teams are literally not trying to win, there is a huge punishment for that. And you know, that, that, the, 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 the draft way they've tried to make it so that, there is, you know, four teams basically with the same amount of chance of getting the number one pick. You know, that's something. But until you say, okay, this team, they tanked from, you know, day six of the season to the end of the season, we are not reporting re- uh, rewarding them with the possibility of getting Wembenyana. Instead, they don't get a draft pick or they pick last. They pick after the champions so that mm-hmm. the, the those organisations are like, we can't afford to send our guys home, our veterans home to save money or, or whatever, you know, whatever the reason is. We've got to go out there and compete as much as we can until the end of the season, until the last game of the season, so that uh, we don't suffer next season. But the, you know, because for a long time I was always like, no, it's it's always good to to reward the team that had a bad season with the, you know, chance to draft the next star Mm -hmm. player. But can you imagine in, in, in theoretically speaking, in soccer, if you finish last, they would say, okay, you're going down a division, but you also get to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, who, you know, when he was a 17-year-old, you get, like, that just wouldn't exist at all. So, you know, I I think that when you you turn on the TV, and as you mentioned there, it used to feel like appointment viewing, but now when you turn on, you're like, okay, who's playing? Uh, How long are they playing for? And and, and are they really even going out there and giving this their all? Um, That becomes harder for the fans i think to stay engaged if 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 you feel that the teams aren't giving it their best and so i think the league has to find a way to you know really enforce uh teams to play their guys when they're healthy because as, as you mentioned there the, the hardest part i think for a fan to accept is when a guy's healthy and he's like i'm just taking a day off like five games into the season if it's the second last game of the regular season and you're getting ready for the playoffs i think most people would be yeah. like okay we, we can we can accept that but when it's happening, you know, in the first half quarter of the season, that becomes then you're like, well, like, and and if I'm I'm a father, you know, of two boys, they want to go to a game. If I turn up to a game and I see a player who you know you're hoping to see is just sitting on the sidelines and he's having the day off, you're going to feel ripped off, and and that's mm-hmm. also becomes a problem then because it's like, well, I, I I'm happy to spend the money to see the players I want to see playing, but if I spend the money and they just decide they're not playing that day, even though they're healthy. Uh, then it can leave you with a bit of a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, I, I, one, I think it's uh, pretty cool that you're on a Lakers podcast, and the Lakers apparently share your uh, view on tanking, in that they are tanking and they are also going to lose their pick at the end of the year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're a whole bunch of know, agreement there. But, but, but if if they were, you know, purposely tanking and that did cost them the pick, then I would that, that I'm fine with that because that's yeah. the sort of punishment that you you should get. But you know, when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis and Westbrook there, I mean, you know, clearly you're not trying to tank. You are trying to win. It's just they haven't been able to do a good job of it to this point. But you yeah. know, it's um 
Yeah, look, it's it, it, the league is, is has gone from being in a very very strong place where I, I remember when the Warriors, you know, the seventy three and nine season, the regular season was was intoxicating that year because it yeah. was Kobe's last season as well, and the Warriors was like, can they actually break that record that no one really thought they were going to do? And it, it was like every night you were like, I want to watch the Warriors. I, I think they started twenty four and zero that season, and mm-hmm. you were sort of tuning in to see are they going to lose, and then it's like, okay, once they lose, do they then maybe? lose three or four in a row and, and end the pursuit of 73. Uh, and, but instead they didn't, and it was great. But now it feels like, I mean, the fact the Warriors didn't win the championship that year, that year as well, I think has shown teams like, well, as long as we get to the playoffs healthy, that's more important than trying to chase, you know, history that, that may not count for anything in the long run. And, and again, I understand that. But then we come back to that sort of first thing we talked about when you play 82 games. If, if teams can't you know, play those 82 games fully and are fully motivated for them, then we need to reduce the amount of games so that teams feel every single game is, is important and valuable. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I've always kind of, no, I'm going to cop to some biases here. I wanted <laughs> them to lose early on in the season. Cause I didn't want them to break the, the Lakers winning streak record. So that right. like, I'm just going to come out and say that. Right. Right. But, I do think it would have been better for the league had they won a championship that year because then, you know, because I remember as it was happening, there was the conversation of, well, does this hurt their pursuit of a championship? Should they should they rest guys so that they're healthy in the playoffs or should they pursue this title that doesn't really necessarily mean anything, this record yeah. that doesn't mean anything? And it's like, how can winning more than any other team in the history of this this league that has spanned decades how can winning more than every other team that has ever gone through an 82 game season mean nothing? Like, if, yeah. what are we doing here? If we're, if, and, and I, and I heard it, you know, I, I heard it fairly often from media and, and it was kind of frustrating as I was hearing it. So it's like, if we aren't rewarding that, then we're part of the problem. Like we need, <laughs> we yeah. need to be able to stand up and say, no, that should mean something. And a lot of times the people who decide what means stuff is the media. It's the people covering the sport. And I thought we went about that pretty poorly. Yeah, and I think that again comes back to the way that soccer is like in in England, for example. If you finish on the top of the table with the most points and usually the most wins, that's your chance. You don't have to then go and do that in the playoffs. There's other Mm -hmm. sort of tournaments like the Champions League and the FA Cup and things like that where you can then go and win other uh, trophies and prizes. But yes, in the NBA, the regular season doesn't really count for anything in the sense that you don't win anything other than home court advantage uh, in the playoffs, but you, then you still have to go out and prove it. And I think, you know, I think, again, there's room for both, but ultimately I, I think this is another problem with the playoffs is I would go back to best of five first round series as well. Cause I think sometimes that first two weeks of the playoffs can feel long, you know, you're like, I don't think we need best of sevens in the first round. I think, uh, you know, it, it, like everyone loves a game seven, but I don't, I don't think you see enough of those in the first round to justify keeping mm-hmm. that format. I, I would just go back to best of five so you can get moving a little bit more because, you know, I think as well right now, everyone's attention span is so much shorter. And so mm-hmm. if you see a series three nil up, then you're like, well, I'm not watching that one anymore. I'm done. I'm moving on to the next round. But if the other series is tied and it might drag on a little bit more, then you're sort of waiting around. So I, I think there's a few things that the league could do, as I say, to to trim things. But then it all comes back to gate receipts and the owners don't want fewer games. They want more games. They want as many games as possible because it yep, means more revenue. Games. Absolutely, more revenue for, for them and for their, league, uh, for their team. But if 
the revenue is more important than the uh, than the game and the, and the fan experience, then you know I think we, we're going to continue to sort of go down this path of of um, games not meaning as much because you need you, the the product most importantly has to be the games because that's what fans yeah. tune in for keep the main and thing the main thing exactly and and you know if if it means that the owners who are all you know billionaires and have got all sorts of uh you know different companies and and things like that well if if they have to miss out on a few games to improve the quality of the of the actual league i think that's a fair payoff and and i think most fans would probably feel the same way that if if you just every time you tuned on turned into a game if you saw your team competing as hard as they could to try to win, no matter what part of the season was, I think that would improve uh, the sort of the experience for everybody. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, before we get you out of here, I want you to talk about the project one more time. So 20 games in 20 cities in 20 countries. Um, where can we find content beyond your own social profile? Is there, is there a, a documentary in the works with, with <laughs> one final chance to, to, yeah. to get in out of here, uh, and, and, and get people in the right place to can't catch all this content. Yeah. Well, best place to follow me is just on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it's just my name, L E I G H E L L I S on Twitter and Instagram. And then Lee Ellis 76 on YouTube. That's where uh, most of the content, well, that's where all the content began. Look, I'm on TikTok as well, but uh, I'm not sure TikTok's the uh, platform for me. I've, I'm trying, I'm dabbling in it, but uh, yeah. again, my content, I just doesn't, don't think really quite connects there with that audience, but I'm also a one man band. So, um, you know, I'm trying to do, all of it myself uh so you know it, it's it's difficult to sort of stay on top of every single platform but as far as uh, documentary in the works uh, anyone who's uh, connected to netflix amazon prime hbo any anyone really out there who uh is intrigued by this idea i'm certainly open uh, to uh, you know offers and, and discussions i that that's ultimately what i'm hoping to do is that some uh platform will come along and say we like this idea we want to turn it into a series because you know that's what I'm, I'm hoping to do but um when you are trying to be your own you know editor producer shooter location scout travel agent uh player all those sorts of things um you know you, you sort of can't be an expert in all of them you have to um you know you have to just sort of make do with what you can so that's where i am right now but i'm certainly uh interested in any you know sort of sponsorships and uh, promotions and uh, you know if anyone wants to uh, you know financially support the project please do um, I've, I've had several conversations right now with the other um, you know cities and, and uh, uh, continents and um, I'm hoping 2023 I'll be able to hit quite a few more uh, countries and cities and, and get you know close to that 20 by the end of next year and uh, things are looking okay right now as far as the interest from from fans and supporters out there but uh, Hopefully I'll be able to uh, make a few bucks as well so I can uh, continue to, uh, you know, continue to go down this path. Well, I'm, I'm really rooting for you. It's a really cool project. If there's anything we here at Silver Screen can do um, to, to help get that stuff out there, let me know. Um, again, that is 20 games in 20 cities and 20 countries. You can find all of it, as Lee just said, on his um, social profiles, uh, all under Lee Ellis in in uh i guess on youtube lee ellis 76 mm -hmm. um thank you very much lee for doing this best of luck moving forward and and uh and yeah i i hope that i hope that the nba pulls you back in after you've made all kinds <laughs> of millions doing this stuff too yeah and, and again like i mean i i love basketball it's not that i've fallen out of love with basketball it's just uh 
I, I think well, the, the league, uh, yeah, the, the league, um, <laughs> there, are, there are some things right now, but I can, I, I, you know, this has got a nice ring to it. You know, the Lee Ellis 20 and 20 and 20 challenge brought to you by the Silver Screen Podcast Network. Exactly. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, like, after every shot, you have to, like, after you make a shot, you have to turn to the camera and say, Rob Palinka, tw- trade the 27 and 29 yeah, picks. That's right. And then you that's get right. right back to the. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I know, you know, I, look, I know with the Los Angeles audience and the Lakers fans there, I know I'd have a fairly big, uh, you know, fairly big audience, <laughs> fairly big pool there of uh, supporters. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. But thanks very much for having me, Anthony. Always a lot of fun talking with you, and I uh, hope we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Lee. We'll talk to you soon.